This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem. Of a detour. Elevate every morning with Tommy John's Second Skin Underwear. The luxurious support of Second Skin guarantees everything will go smoothly. With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five-star reviews, guys love Tommy John. Plus, your most valuable assets are covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. Shop Tommy John's friends and family sale right now and get 25% off site-wide at TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. See site for details. Something to note. All myths have many versions and variations. For this episode, we've selected those we feel are the most dramatic and entertaining and supplemented them with additional research into Irish traditions. Because mythology comes from oral tradition, there's a wide variety across sources. Our myths may not always be the version you're familiar with, but we hope you'll enjoy them. Lear rose with the morning sun. A thick, icy dew had settled on the clumped grass around him. He removed his soaked cloak and gave it a thorough shake, spraying water across the near-frozen ground. Shirtless, the aging Lear turned his gaze toward the unbroken surface of Loch Darvreek, where the waters stretched out beyond the sunlit horizon. Off in the distance, he heard them. Swans. A quartet of the waterbirds were gliding over the frigid waters of the lake, singing to each other in a tongue that only they could understand. Lear took a seat on the shore, making himself comfortable. The swans would come to him in time. They were his children, after all. Lear had made a promise that he would visit them every day until the terrible curse had been lifted and they had returned to their human forms. In doing so, he gave them hope, even though he knew he would die long before the nightmare was over. Welcome to Mythology, a ParCast original. Every Tuesday, we present dramatic stories from ancient mythology and explore their origins. I'm your host and narrator, Vanessa Richardson. You can find all episodes of Mythology and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Mythology for free on Spotify, just open the app, tap Browse, and type Mythology in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram, at ParCast, and Twitter, at ParCast Network. 
And if you enjoy today's episode, the best way to help us is to leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. It really does help. Today, we're discussing The Children of Lear, an Irish fairy tale that spans hundreds of years. The story is set against the backdrop of the decline of the godly race of the Tua de Donin and the rise of the Milesians, the mythological name for the Irish people. The survivors of the Tua de Donin had a difficult choice to make. For hundreds of years, the race of godlike beings had resided undisturbed among the fertile, green hills of Ireland. But now, the winds of change were swirling around them. Milesians, a new race of mortal invaders from distant Gaul, had settled on the island's shores and were now making war across the countryside. The Tua de Donan had fought back with vigor, they conjured great storms to sink the Milesian ships and shed Milesian blood across the fields and rolling hills of Ireland. But for all of their magical might, they had failed in driving the Milesians away. Since the dawn of history, the Tua de Donan had lived as independent tribes, each led by their own chieftain. Now, for the first time in an age, the chieftains gathered together under one roof to discuss the way forward. If we do not unite and evolve, we will surely be wiped out by these attackers. Hear, hear. The Tuaday must choose a leader. It had been decided that the surviving tribes would unite together under one banner. Each chief would present himself as a candidate to become the leader of all the Daydonan. The nobles would cast votes to decide which chief would take command. To that end, the chiefs congregated. Bove Dirug, son of the Dagda, and Lear of Sheaf and Achai were both in the running. Ilvrak of Asrua and Med the Proud from Breleith were also there, along with Bove Dirug's brother, Angus, who did not seek the throne. Bove Dirug was the popular candidate, he was known as a cunning warrior and a kind, wise leader. It was he who had made the suggestion to unite the tribes, and now he made a pronouncement to the nobles. Listen here now. My brother Angus does not seek the burden of leadership for himself. He will serve as arbiter among you and tally your votes. Lear, the proud and powerful chief, did not want to stand idly by while his rival gained favor with his proclamations. Lear stood beside Bove Dirag and spoke as well, hoping to divert attention to himself. Remember, our purpose here is unity, brotherhood, for this is the only way we can survive what is to come. Do not worry about retribution from those whom you do not choose. These votes will be made and counted in secret. Well said, friend. I can easily comfort them, for I have nothing to worry about. They will surely choose me. And if they do not, will you follow your own rules and swear loyalty to whichever man becomes king? <laughs> of course, dear friend. But I am wise in the magic of the winds and the whispers of the woods. My powers of premonition assure me that I shall win the vote. 
So under Angus's guidance, the nobles gathered away from the candidates to discuss their choices and cast their votes. After some time had passed, the men returned to the main tent, and Angus stepped before the eagerly awaiting candidates. He approached his brother, and the two men conversed in low whispers for a brief moment. What is he saying, Bove Dirug? Have him speak so that we may all hear the results. A decision has been made. The vote is cast in my favor. What? No! This must be some mistake! There is no mistake, Lear. I have been selected as chief by the will of the people. Bove Dirug, who was greatly respected among the people, was unanimously selected to be the new sovereign leader of the Tua de Donan. I will do my best to honor the people and serve them through the trials to come. But first, let the other chiefs swear fealty to me, as a signal to our people that we are indeed a united clan. The other chiefs concurred that a show of fealty was precisely what was needed to commemorate the historic moment. They both bent the knee and swore to obey Bove Dirug as his subjects. You are wise men, and I will be lucky to have your counsel in the coming days. Lear, what of you? These fellows kneel before me, yet here you stand. And stand I shall. You may command the subjects of Asrua and Bree Leith, but I leave unbent, and my subjects remain my own. It was foolish to come here and foolish to trust that this crowd of nobles would make the right decision. I swear loyalty to no sovereign but myself. If I am not to lead, then I am only to leave. The Tua Day erupted into a furious din. The gathered nobles and newly subjected chiefs grew louder and louder as they each yelled over one another, barking demands and threats about what was to be done with Lear. How could he be so selfish? The chieftains had agreed that they would serve whoever was chosen to rule, but Lear had backed out when the vote did not favor him. Quiet, all of you. Quiet! I will not have the first hour of my reign be marred by bloodshed or division. Lear's loyalty will be swayed in due time. For now, let us celebrate those who showed loyalty from the start. And so, despite Lear's refusal to bend the knee, Bove Dirug was crowned king of the Tua de Danann, the rightful inhabitants of Ireland. And as the coronation carried on and the men drowned more and more mead, their thoughts turned toward Lear, the swine. They would march to his lands, burn his villages, and show him the end of their spears for the slight he had cast upon his king. As time passed, Bove Dirig's chieftains came to him with battle strategies, plans to invade Lear's lands, conquer them, and make Lear rue the day he had refused to bend the knee. But Bove Dirug, the man who had more right to be angry than anyone else, chose instead to be the voice of reason. Calm yourselves, friends. Do not forget that we have come together in search of unity. I will not let one outlier divide us in the face of the more serious threat. I have known Lear a long time. We were friends once. And I can only hope that through divine action, we shall be again but we cannot afford to wait for him to come around. Come, 
Let us gather and see to the affairs of our newly united nation. And with the king's words, all talk of attacking Lear finally died. The Tua de Danan turned their attention back to the invading Milesians. Bovdirug's wish for friendship with Lear would come true. But in granting his wish, the fates would set Lear on a path of unimaginable suffering and unheard of wickedness. All was not well in Ireland, and the source of the evil was in one of Bovdirug's own daughters. Next, Lear and Bovdirug are united by blood. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Elevate every morning with Tommy John's Second Skin Underwear. The luxurious support of Second Skin guarantees everything will go smoothly. With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five-star reviews, guys love Tommy John. Plus, your most valuable assets are covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. Shop Tommy John's friends and family sale right now and get 25% off site-wide at TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. See site for details. Now back to the story. When Ireland was attacked by the Milesians, the Tua de Danann gathered together to choose a single king from amongst their chieftains. He would unite their tribes, run off the invaders, and rule over all of Ireland. But when Bovdirug was chosen as ruler, his friend and fellow chief, Lear, refused to bend the knee. Things carried on like that for some time, the two a day held off the Milesians with their united front, and Ireland remained safe for some time. Bovdirug ruled over the other four tribes of Ireland, while Lear presided over his own, isolated from his fellow countrymen. Bovdirug lamented his friendship with Lear. He prayed for the day that Lear would return to the fold, and they would be as brothers once again. Bovdirug's prayers would be answered, but not before tragedy struck. Lear's wife became ill. After three days of declining health, she perished. Lear was left alone. With none of his fellow chieftains to comfort him, he fell into a deep despair. So great was Lear's grief that word spread across all of Ireland, Every tribe and village from shore to shore came to know Lear's sorrow. Eventually, the news reached the ears of Bovdirug, who spoke to his advisors. Were we friends once more, I could help Lear and provide him some much-needed support during this trying time in his life. He is now without a wife, and I have three fair daughters who would make suitable brides for him. And so, at Bovdirug's command, messengers were dispatched to Lear's castle to offer a trade. If Lear were to bend the knee and accept Bovdirug as his king, then he would have his choice of Bovdirug's daughters for his wife. When he received the message from Bovdirug, Lear gathered his forces, assembling a massive entourage of men, horses, and chariots. That very night, Lear and his guards set out for the castle of Bovdirug. Lear, 
It is long overdue that you grace my halls with your presence. I am only here because urgent business calls for it. I must uphold my honor and that of my family. This assembly of men you bring to my walls. Tell me straight, are you here to do battle? Or has reason finally entered your brain? I would hate to have to strike you down. We were close friends not so long ago. I... I... After a brief moment, Lear fell to his knees and clasped his hands before his old friend. I have been a fool. Good king, my friend, forgive me for my arrogance and anger. Now, in front of your subjects and mine, I bend the knee to you. You are my king from this day on. Lear, my friend, there is nothing to forgive. Past is past, and now you and I are once again tied by the bonds of brotherhood, and we shall seal that bond today with a marriage. Bovdirug ordered his men to rouse his daughters and bring them down into the main hall. Minutes later, three beautiful young women stood before Lear. Bovdirug, my friend, I am not worthy of such beauty. Are you sure you can trust me to marry one of your daughters? You are the king, and these fair maidens could have their choice of anyone in Ireland. Family is paramount, and children are the greatest gift that this life can give. It is my honor to wed one of my daughters to you. Which shall it be? Lear's gaze flitted between Bovdirug's daughters, coming to rest on the youngest and prettiest of the three. The girl beamed back at him. I have lived many years and seen beings of pure magic forged by the gods themselves. Yet I have never seen one as beautiful as she who stands before me. This is Alva. Should you choose to marry her, she will warm your halls with her presence and conjure a smile from your lips no matter your mood. Lear's gaze shifted to Bovdirug's middle daughter. She met his look with her dark eyes and offered him a smile that seemed to indicate some deeper want. I am versed in the ways of magic. I sense great power in this one. This is Aoife. She is skilled in the ways of the world and has magic at her fingertips. She will ensure the power of our people stays strong in your bloodline even after you and I are long dead. Should you choose me, good Lear, we will make a mighty pairing. Our children will stand as kings in their own right, and your name will carry on as one to be respected and feared. With those words, Aoife closed her eyes and began to hum a light tune. The wind shutters cracked across the castle as a powerful breeze blew through the stone halls, swirling the dust and dirt around her. Enough of your magic, daughter. The man will decide for himself. There is one more daughter yet for me to see. Lear's eyes shifted to the third girl. She stood taller than her sisters and projected an air of warmth and wisdom. As Lear considered her, Bovdirug stepped forward and affectionately placed a hand on her shoulder. Eve, my firstborn, the most cherished of all my children. Surely you do not think I am worthy to take the hand of your favorite child. 
goodlier for you, there is nothing I would not give. Eve stands out from the rest. You say she is your most cherished daughter. You, my friend, are the wisest man I know, and whomever you deem as the favorite child must indeed be the best of them all. Tell me, fair maiden, would you have me? Indeed, my good kin, I would honor my father and his father by uniting our two houses. Then there is no decision left to be made, for I choose Eve. Lear and Eve were married that very night. Bovdirig entertained the newlyweds at his castle for a full fortnight, celebrating the union and Lear's return to the fold with feasts and games. They spent every night reveling, reminiscing about the warm memories of the past, and discussing their hopes for a bright future. And when it finally came time for Lear to return home with his new bride, Bovdirug saw them both out. Dear daughter, your marriage has turned my beloved friend into beloved son. I wish happiness upon you both. I shall miss you, father, but it shall not be long before we grace these halls once more. I think she is right. Now that we are bound, we are family. Lear returned to his castle with Eve. For another two weeks, they feasted and danced and celebrated their homecoming and their new marriage. Lear's castle once again knew joy, the kind that it had not seen since his first wife had died. Eve and Lear spent their days together, walking the grounds and fields around Lear's castle, decorating the halls that had fallen into disrepair, and entertaining Lear's subjects, who all loved their chief's new queen. It was no time at all before Eve became pregnant. Oh, blessed wife, you have given me two children, and I must say I am the luckiest man to have ever drawn breath. We will name the girl Finula. And the boy we shall name A. Lear, for the first time, had a family. Whereas before his halls had been silent, they were now filled with the sounds of his happy children playing. Soon after the birth of the children, Eve shared with her husband that she was once again pregnant. Lear was overjoyed at the prospect of more children, but his happiness and his perfect family were not to last. Eve gave birth to another set of twins, boys, whom Lear named Fiacra and Khan. As Eve handed off the newborn children to her husband, her head fell back. Her hand dropped to the side of the bed. Her sweat-drenched skin turned gray. Lear called for help, but it was too late. Eve had passed. Lear once again was a widower. But this time, he could not afford to fall into despair, for his children needed him. You four shall never know the joy that your mother brought to these halls. I will do all I can to honor her memory by giving you the best life you can ask for. Word traveled across Ireland about Eve's untimely death. When Bovdirig heard word of his daughter's passing, he mourned and gathered his messengers. Oh, to have gained a son, only to lose a daughter. Quick, off to Lear's castle. Extend an invitation to come and stay in my hall. 
I would see my grandchildren, and I would not have him born alone. The messengers were dispatched, and Lear received them favorably. He prepared to venture to Bove Dirug's castle. He considered going alone, but then decided that Bove Dirug would want to be with his grandchildren to mourn the death of his daughter. So Lear gathered his men and his children and set off. When he arrived, he pulled Bove Dirug into an embrace. My dear friend, I can scarce imagine what you have lost. She was your daughter long before my wife. It is I who feel for you and your loss. These children are the memories of her left on this earth. Through your love to them, her spirit will live on in your bloodline. I know these words as truth. I mourn the loss of my wife, though I'll admit it is much easier to grieve in the company of friends and family. Yes, we shall grieve together. And when our time of grieving has passed, we'll celebrate your return to my hall and the lives of these wonderful children. What are you talking about? A wedding, of course. Whose? Yours. Surely you have not forgotten that I have other daughters whose hands remain untaken in marriage. You were my son-in-law once. Now become so once more. Bove Dirug brought forth Aoife, his second daughter, known for her witchcraft and skills in the magic arts. Lear was overwhelmed by Bove Dirug's generosity. I would be a fool to reject the gift of such a good friend as you. But tell me, Aoife, what say you of this proposed union? As I told you before, Lear, our union shall bring strength to your bloodline. I have loved you from the moment I saw you. After the appropriate period of grieving, Lear and Aoife were wed in Bove Dirug's hall. They celebrated for a fortnight and then returned to Lear's lands where they were happy. Aoife relished the time spent with her husband, though something did not feel right. On her second night in Lear's castle, Aoife waited until her husband had fallen asleep. She set out from the bedroom and went out onto the balcony where she looked upon the full moon. She felt the magic in the wind around her, the power, the rage. She wondered if she could control all of that power, and she wondered if she even wanted to. She was happy now, that was true, but if anyone tried to take away what was hers, if Lear's affections waned, then the world would suffer. Next, Aoife's jealousy leads her to commit a terrible deed. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must-not-take-yourself-too-seriously and 6-1 since that matters and what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now back to the story. 
Lear's second wife, Eve, had perished in childbirth, leaving the Irish chief in mourning and with four children to care for. His friend and father-in-law, Bove Dirug, offered his second daughter, Aoife, to Lear as his new wife. They were married and returned to Lear's castle, where they lived happily for a time. Watch out! She's coming! Watch out! I'm gonna get you! It was a joyful time for the family, despite their grief over Eve's passing. Bovdirig doted on his grandchildren and would come often to she Lear to see them. Lear rejoiced whenever Bovdirig came to stay with him. Lear made the children the focus of his life and spent every waking minute with them. On his orders, a special bed was constructed at the foot of his own that would hold all four of them. In the early hours of the morning, he would sit in bed with them, marveling at how lucky he was to have fathered such perfect children. His wife, Aoife, relished his affections, but she had difficulty keeping his attention, as Lear was always focused on the children. As time went on, he seemed to have less and less time for his wife. Lear? Lear, I'm talking to you. Sorry, what were you saying? Do you ever listen to me? I was just watching the children. I'm listening now. As the weeks turned to months, turned to years, Aoife found herself growing increasingly jealous. She felt that she was in constant competition for her husband's affections, and that she always lost out to his young ones, who consumed his thoughts at all times. <coughs> what is this? What is the matter? I'm ill. I feel like death itself is inside me. Remember how my sister, your former wife, perished in her bed? Did not leave me to the same fate. No, I will not lose two wives to illness. I shall call the best doctors from across all of Ireland to come tend to you. And I shall not leave your side until you have recovered your strength. <coughs> Aoife faked an illness in order to draw her husband's attention toward her. The ploy worked, and Lear stayed with her for days on end, tending to her every need. How do you feel? No better. Quick, come hold my hand. She was bedridden for an entire year. Eventually, she couldn't keep up the charade and had to get better. Lear's focus once again turned toward the children and away from her. Aoife stewed during those dark nights, burning with rage and resentment against the children of Lear. Finally, overcome with malice and desperation, she concocted a wicked plan. I will not be ignored. I will not be cast aside. I will not stand idly by as my husband ignores me in favor of the children. The children! They are of my sister's womb, and I love them so, but I tire of competing with them. No, I must do away with them, once and for all. Then, at last, I will be happy. The winds suddenly changed as forces that defied explanation had shifted in anticipation of Aoife's terrible plan. Some in the castle began to feel premonitions of dread. 
including Lear's daughter, Fanula. One night, Lear woke to the sound of the child's screams. <coughs> father! Fanula, what is it, child? What dreams caused this? It is Aoife, father. I dreamt that she bore hatred towards me, toward my brothers. She is jealous of us and means to do us harm. She will take us away and, and have us put to death. I saw it. I saw it all. Hush, child. Speak no more of this. Aoife loves you, as do I. Under her care, no harm will come to you, I swear. She does not love us. She bears great jealousy and will be moved to action soon. Enough! Aoife is my wife, your mother's sister. You dishonor her with these accusations. We shall discuss this no more. Come, children. We go to visit your grandfather. On that very day, Aoife had her chariot prepared so that she could take the children on a trip to visit her father. She set out with men who were loyal to her, who she thought would follow any order she gave them. When the chariots reached the halfway point, Aoife pulled the entourage over and spoke to her men in secret. I now order you, kill the children of Lear. I have lost his love and can only regain it by getting his children out of the way. There is a great reward in it for you, if you follow through. The men considered the offer, just for a second, before they refused. When Eva pressed them again, they stood firm and cursed her for even thinking of harming the children. You are all weak, disloyal fools! If I cannot trust any of you to do what must be done, then I shall cut them down myself. Aoife turned to the children, who had wandered away from the chariots and had not heard her plans. Aoife marched on them, blade in hand, ready to commit murder. But as she raised the sword to strike... I... I can't. Ugh, though I know I must do away with these children, I cannot bring myself to cut them down. I would never be able to live with the guilt. Though Aoife still burned with hatred and jealousy for the children, she could not bring herself to spill their blood. Aoife did not have the constitution to kill the children herself. However, she was steadfast in her resolve to remove them from her life. She had not forgotten her greatest desire, having Lear all to herself. She looked to the trees around her and saw the birds chirping from the branches. A wicked thought entered her mind. Though she could not bring herself to kill the children, she could still make them suffer. She seized Fanula by the hand and led her and the other children to the nearby lake, Loch Darvreek. Come, children, follow me to the shore. This is not the palace of Bovdirug. Where are we? Can you not see? All of you children have become filthy in your playing. You must clean yourselves. Go on, bathe in the lake. The children listened to their stepmother and swam out into the lake. I will not spill your blood, but I will have revenge all the same. <laughs> With a wave of her druidic wand, a blast of magic sprayed across the lake. 
The children were struck by the magic. They screamed as they felt themselves changing. Out with you, O children of the king. I have deprived your descendants of good luck. To your friends, your story will be a sad one. Your shouts shall be with flocks of birds. As Aoife finished casting her spell, the children writhed and wailed, their bones breaking and twisting into new shapes. Their hair fell out of their heads, and long, white, spindly feathers sprouted from the follicles to cover their skin. Their lips elongated and hardened, changing into beaks. The children looked around at one another, realizing the terrible truth. Aoife had turned them into swans. <gasps> what have you done? You witch! Be thankful that I didn't kill you. Children of Lear, I have turned you into swans. You keep your consciousness and your ability to speak, but you will be confined to these bird bodies for all time. You will not succeed. This thing you have done is evil, and worse, it comes unjustified and unprompted. Listen to me, Aoife. We will tell our father what you have done. You will do no such thing. For as I turned you into swans, I have bound you to this lake. He will find us. He will learn what you've done. You won't get away with this unless you turn us back. I will turn you back. In time. I am not a monster. You will return to your human bodies. The curse will lift after everyone you've loved has passed from this world. I condemn you to 900 years in the form of these swans. You will spend 300 years here on Loch Darvrik, then 300 at Strunamula, and then 300 more at Iris Domnan. You would dare leave us now, in this state? <laughs> I would. I return now to my husband, absent of any distractions. And with that proclamation, Aoife traveled on, leaving her stepchildren, the swans, to their fate. The children of Lear tried to leave their watery prison, but every attempt to pass beyond the shores proved unsuccessful. It was as if a powerful dome of magic enclosed the entire lake, trapping them inside. And so they were confined to the waters of Loch Darvreek. They waited there, hoping that their father would come to them. They prayed in their swan hearts that Lear would know how to reverse the spell, that he would be able to save them. But as they flocked together atop the cold waters of the lake, they all felt a great dread. No one could save them. Not their father, not their grandfather, not the gods themselves. They were swans and would stay cursed as swans for the next 900 years. Thanks again for tuning in to Mythology. We'll be back Tuesday with part two of The Children of Lear. For more information on the children of Lear, amongst the many sources we used, we found Eugene O'Curry's 1883 translation of the original Irish text extremely helpful to our research. 
You can find more episodes of Mythology and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals like Mythology for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Mythology on Spotify, just open the app, tap Browse, and type Mythology in the search bar. If you enjoy mythology, you'll love my other podcast, Tales. Tales presents fairy tales the way they were originally told, orally and unadulterated. Traditional fairy tales aren't exactly suitable for children, and every other Saturday, we dive into another dark, classic tale. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, at Parcast, and Twitter, at Parcast Network. We'll be back next week with another epic tale. Mythology was created by Max Cutler, is a production of Cutler Media, and is part of the Parcast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound designed by Carrie Murphy, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro and Paul Mahler. Additional production assistance by Maggie Admire and Carly Madden. Mythology is written by Colin McLaughlin. The amazing cast of voice actors includes, by alphabetical order, Mike Capozzi, Jerry Courtney Austin, Susanna Corrington, and Harris Markson. I'm Vanessa Richardson.